Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with The Fall Guy. What are you doing later? Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yeah. Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. What's up, Seminole Headlines podcasters? Thanks so much for listening to the program. As always, the podcast brought to you in part by our friends at the Morgan Law Group. Today, no different. Appreciate them enabling us to do this for you. What else they'll do for you is uh, work hard throughout the state to ensure uh, that the insurance companies are doing the right thing and they're not acting in bad faith. Uh, they will they'll get after the insurer if they are. They'll inspect and assess the loss on your behalf. By the way, they are throughout the state just because an insurance company tells you no or there's a certain amount that they're willing to give out doesn't mean that's the end of the story. Find out more. Go to policyadvocate.com. That'd be policyadvocate.com. Or call 888-904-2524. Onward we go with Seminole Headlines. It's time for Seminole Headlines, presented by Capital City Bank, featuring ESPN Tallahassee's Jeff Cameron, Warchant.com's managing editor, Ira Chauffel, and senior writer, Corey Clark. Your weekly dose of all things FSU, pistols and pies, starts right now. Here's Jeff Cameron. The Seminole Headlines, 97.9 ESPN Radio begins right now. Great to be with you as always. There's Corey, there's Ira. And this hour is brought to you by our friends at Register Sausage. Yay, sausage! Take it away, boys. Talk about sausage. Not quite the pep in your step uh, this week because of your your audio difficulties, I think. I'm a little pissed off, Corey. I'm a little pissed off as we get started here. This is frustrating. We've had some audio difficulties in technology, as Ira correctly pointed out, not too long ago. Really kind of flies over the head of anybody over the age of 40. It starts getting a little bit more difficult as you go. And mm. I'm creeping towards Ira's ancient ass. And it's frustrating, you know. I, I'm, I'm watching it happen in real time. <laughs> it's tough. But, hey, man, just think if you had a mouthful of sausage right now, <laughs> how much better you'd feel. Ira? I actually uh, just had a mouthful of sausage. I had a, nice. Uh, a, a several mouthful. I just had the uh, jalapeno <laughs> cheddar for lunch. Hey, I was thinking, by the way uh, – as, as name, image, and likeness comes to fruition here, and we're we're trying to figure out our different sponsorship deals with athletes at Florida State, could uh, young Matt Nelson, could he be the big sausage and be sponsored by Registers and Seminole Headlines? The big swinging sausage. The big swinging sausage. I That's like not it. a bad idea. Or the swinging sausage, maybe, you know, or something. We'll figure, we'll work on it. But but I think uh, he's our first target. And uh, yeah, uh, registersmeats.com is actually the website if you want to order it. A lot of people, when people tweet about Register Sausage and how great it is, which happens a lot on social media because it is so good, invariably people are like, well, yeah, but I live in Nebraska or I live in Iowa or whatever, and I can't get it. Well, yes, you can. Go to registermeats.com, order it. Ben, the sausage guy, will have it delivered to you in a cooler with ice. It'll be fresh, and you can uh, store it for months in your freezer and have it whenever you want it. So 
Registermeats.com is a website. Register Sausage is the product. And if you live, if you're blessed enough to live in North Florida or South Georgia or in Alabama, you can go get it at your local grocery as well. So go get your sausage. That's a well lesson done, for Ira. everybody. So just always get your sausage. Yeah. You can't waste time. Got to get after it. Go get your sausage. We thank Register Sausage as always. I want to start. I may sound somber because of the audio problems, but certainly we need to acknowledge the tragic passing of Gino Hayes. Um, I don't want to dwell on it. I didn't know Gino very well. Obviously, I had a chance to cover him, as you guys did. Uh, but nonetheless, uh, the Seminole community hurting as a 33-year-old man. Uh, it's, uh, fellas, I know uh, it stands to reason that nobody should lose their life at that age. And so very tragic. Uh, we wish his family um, well and his loved ones well as uh, they deal with this time uh, to grieve because that's that's just a brutal, brutal thing to have happen for a 33-year-old man. But I didn't realize he played. He played seven years in the NFL. It was good for the Bucks, right? Like he started. He started with them very early on in his career. Yeah, it's interesting, Corey. I was talking about that last week when it was first announced that he was in hospice care, and we. I think, like everybody else, we were all kind of caught off guard um, with that news, and just thought, how could that possibly be? Uh, and that caused me to bring up to Tom how when the Bucks took him in the sixth round. I kind of thought, oh, you take a flyer on a special teams guy, you know. Um, he had a nice little career at Florida State. I always thought he was uh, way undersized and didn't really think he could compete at the NFL level. And boy, how wrong I turned out to be. And I think Bucks fans everywhere were because very quickly he fought through the ranks and pretty soon became a starter. And he actually did play very well for Tampa Bay. So, uh, yeah, it's uh, yeah. I, I would say that as a as a football player, he was a bit of an overachiever. Uh, I didn't, again, know him personally all that well, but, um, boy, that's just uh, that's shocking news. Well, and to, I, I wrote, when I was writing that story yesterday, um, sadly, very, very sadly, man, he had his, his sophomore year where he started like nine games, he had 12 tackles for loss as a linebacker. The next year he had 17 and a half tackles for loss. Yeah. Have Florida State linebackers since Talbot Smith left, have they combined for 17 and a half tackles for loss? <laughs> And Geno Hayes had it in one year. And him and Buster Davis, that one year, it seemed like they were making every single tackle. That was, uh, I mean, that was 14, 15 years ago now. But, yeah, that's, that's impossible to believe that somebody dies at 33 like that. What's also, uh, you know, kind of mind-boggling, he's 33 years old. I mean, he signed with Florida State, I think, in 2005. So he, when he signed, he was 17. And I remember yeah. when he came on his visit to FSU – I remember the first time, it might not have been an official visit, it might have been an unofficial, but this was back when recruits weren't just constantly coming to campus. Nowadays, high school football players are constantly visiting campuses on their own. They'll travel everywhere. They, they want to see all these schools and, and be, I guess, wooed by different college coaches. Well, Gino, because he lived in Madison, came over for a practice, and we had heard so much about him. He was a four-star recruit. Obviously, he was a really highly regarded linebacker. And so I just, in my mind, assumed he was like a big dude. And he came here the summer before he signed, and he was like 16, I guess. And he was not a very big dude. He yeah. kind of was, he was wearing like a white T-shirt, and it was baggy on him, and jeans. And I was like, that's the guy? Like, And Mickey came over to him and like hugged him and took him out into the field. And I remember thinking, you know, this is the guy they're fawning after? Because at the time, people thought he was going to go to Tennessee. And, man, sure enough, dude, like you know, you said, he was a huge overachiever. I mean, played like just a, a monster on the field. And then the, the, you know, the, the, I guess most significant Gino Hayes story, if we can tell it here, it's a good format for it. 
um, and Corey will remember it well, was, um, you know, before the Florida game with Tebow, when he, when he talked a little smack about Tebow, and he got a lot of grief for that. And I, I thought it was I, – I remember writing at the time, I thought it was a cool thing he did. He, um, everybody assumed Florida, Florida State was going to get destroyed, which they did. And that week, it, they used to bring players up to that media room uh, for press conferences, like during the week. And um, he came up and he, he, he basically said, Tebow's going down, and y'all can write that. And uh, everybody was just like, what are you doing? And he said – he's like, look, the bigger they are, the harder they fall – we were not afraid of him. We're coming after him because he was having this huge breakout year. And uh, everybody kind of ripped him for it, even especially after they lost. But I always thought what he was trying to do was he was trying to get his teammates to believe in something because nobody thought they had a chance in that game. Nobody. It wasn't like he really – I don't think he even really necessarily believed what he was saying, but he was trying to get the team all fired up. And But he took so much grief. People just ridiculed him. Why would you do that? And – after the game, when they lost and Tebow went off, uh, one of the reporters, an older reporter on the beat, went went up to Gino on the field and started asking him, like, kind of, kind of like harassing him a little bit, like, you know, what do you have to say now? You talked a lot before the game. What do you have to say now? And uh, I give Gino credit, man. He 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 just kept walking off the field. We weren't really supposed to be re- interviewing reporters, re- interviewing players on the field. It was kind of against policies, especially in Gainesville at their field. And uh, Gino just kind of kept walking. He never looked at the guy. He never scowled at him. I might have been tempted to hit him if I was Gino Hayes. <laughs> but he just, you know, he's an 18, 19-year-old kid in that situation. He just calmly kept walking and just listened to it and took it. And finally, Jeremy Foley, of all people, UFCD, came over and basically grabbed Gino and said, listen, we don't do interviews on the field, and kind of pulled him away from the reporter, And uh, which I thought was a cool gesture on Jeremy Foley's part. But I also thought the way Gino handled it was really cool. So that's... Whenever Gino Hayes' name come up, comes up, that story, the way he was trying to kind of rally the team um, before a game, which was probably an impossible task, and uh, and the way he handled the questions afterwards always always impressed me. Mine is the uh, obviously the Matt Ryan interception. That right. was probably the last bad throw Matt Ryan had, <laughs> and so it was good to see Gino Hayes take advantage of it and uh, seal a win. I didn't realize that was they were they were only up three when he did that. Like in Boston College, had a minute left, like. I think we all probably thought Matt Ryan's about to lead them to a touchdown to win this game, and then Geno Hayes just won the day. Well, that play not only is a signature play because BC was number two in the country at the time, but uh, I'll always remember it because Bryce was born the next morning. Oh, and wow. I was uh, exhausted that night. We had I had participated in a charity uh, 5K, and I'm not much of a runner, boys. So uh, I was out there in this 5K, and uh, it was a good cause and all that. My wife was very, very, very pregnant, obviously, and she went to bed early, and I watched that game, and obviously I was elated uh, that, that Gino had the pick six. And moments afterwards, I remember thinking, well, I'm glad they salted this away. I can go to bed. I'm really tired. I can't wait to go to sleep. I laid my head down on the pillow with thoughts of Gino Hayes taking it to the house, and uh, fell fast asleep. And minutes later, my wife shook me to tell me that her water broke and we needed to go to the hospital. And I was such a prick about it. I said, no, that can't possibly be. We'll roll back over and go to sleep. And her answer was, I think I know if my water broke. So, <laughs> yeah, I, uh, I had to get up and uh, shake the cobwebs off. But every time I think of that play, I think of not only a cool win, uh, but obviously for me, uh, the most significant at that point moment in my life, which was the birth of my son the next morning and, in the you, hours. and you didn't think about maybe going with Gino 
or no. is a middle name even maybe? <laughs> no, uh, it was Hayes, but it, it, it wasn't that big. All right. <laughs> Hayes would have worked too. Hayes could have been a cool middle name. Yeah, could have been. been. Then I would have sounded like a guy just trying to be a hipster with my kid. His name is Hayes. Well, true. Good point. Um, In fact, I met a Hayes who may be listening to this. Sorry, Hayes. Your parents were trying to be cool. Uh, (laughs) But yeah, and he lives in Atlanta, Corey. Yeah, well, we, uh, there's we, a lot of cool people in Atlanta. Yeah, we know uh, Hayes. Hayes Permar and the uh, does radio stuff up in in the uh, Triangle. Used to be with David Glenn's show. Corey and I have a. Tilted back several with him. Yeah, uh, that's right. At ACC kickoff. And maybe one day, soon enough, we will all do it again in yes. Charlotte as we cover Florida State and the rest of this league in person once again. That would be awfully nice. I will say this at the outset. I don't normally cross-promote quite like this, but boys, you're both invited, man. I know we're all vaxxed up if you're feeling comfortable. And, Corey, if you're going to be in town Thursday for the draft, we're going to be at Bumpus Local 349 and – Anybody that wants to come out, come celebrate. It's just sort of a casual watch party as we've wanted to do over the many years, but uh, never more than this time because we didn't get to do it last year. And uh, we're going we're gonna to go out and enjoy that first round. We'll watch the Falcons butcher the fourth pick, and uh, <laughs> we'll celebrate it together. It'll be a lot of fun. I will not be in town, but if I was, you know I'd be there. I'd be there just, just right, on, right on you. Just mm-hmm. on you the whole time. Feel Wouldn't free, you buddy. Get a, Hover right by my face. I don't okay. care. I don't care anymore. Mm-hmm. Are we uh, are we are we settling into this new draft format, or can we still hate it? I mean, I mean, I'm, I just miss the old days. I mean, I miss the Saturday, the Saturday all morning. day affair. I mean, yeah. I don't know. I mean, I don't I, like that the first round is one night. I wish that the first, at least the first two or three rounds. I'd rather be two days. I mean, the the all day affair was nuts. Like we're this thing's still going eight hours later. Awesome. I loved the it. Sixth round, we're 180 picks in. But I liked. I wish they broke it down into two. Well, we talked about it yesterday on the wildly popular, still going Jeff Cameron show from three to six. Ira and I had an extensive conversation, Corey, that you missed. We talked 20, 25 minutes, uh, a lot about the draft, about this Florida State baseball team, about the Cameron Fletcher kid who came over from Kentucky for basketball. We just had so many things to talk about, so we can kick around some of that here on some of the headlines as well when we come back in a moment. Seminal Headlines will take a breather. More next. Seminal Headlines returns now on 97.9 ESPN Radio. Stop clicking. Shut up. We're live now, boys. We're back. We're yelling at Corey while we come back on the air. That's good. But uh, you're right to say it over and over again because he won't stop. Stop clicking, man. We're doing a radio program here. A podcast. I had to get get the box off the screen. Man, if I – you know, it's, it's, it's amazing the things that could you know, we know water torture would be tough, but I think if you just made me sit there and listen to Corey do that clicking for another five minutes, yeah, I might, have, I might have run through a window. What about what about this sound right here? If y'all can hear it, yeah, my man, my son does this all the time with the AirPod case. Mm. He just flips it back and forth, okay, and I've taken stop. it, I've stop. taken it from his hand and thrown it across <laughs> the room one time. Not not like it wasn't like I asked him once and he did it again and I lost my mind. I literally asked him. I would guess eight to 10 times over the course of 15 minutes. And he would literally keep picking it up and doing it and not thinking. Do so he guys... thinks about it now, boys. He <laughs> thinks about it now when it gets thrown across I the room. Believe, and hits I wall. can't believe you went to eight. I've never gotten to eight requests. That's infinite patience. Well, first it's like, come on, man. man. Hey, Brady, you're doing it. Man, let's, let's go. Brady, Brady. And it just, it, it kept, it got to a point. The crescendo yeah, we're not was eight. There ain't going to no, be. A- I know. Yeah. Hey, yeah, you're right. It should have been four or <laughs> so one. I guess the, 
I guess that's like the middle school age hormones and stuff. Because I remember when I was a kid, my dad used to take me to the horse track. That was like our, our big bonding experience. That's your dad. That is fantastic. Yeah. Hey, we didn't spend a lot of time going to games like you and Corey and his dad or you and yours. We were at the horse track. We were trying to make some money. Track, baby. Hialeah. And I would sit there and he would handicap the race first. And then he would give me the racing form and I would handicap it. But then when he was handicapping, I would sit there and I would like tap, I would like do drum beats and stuff on my lap and stuff and just constantly shaking and making noise. And every once in a while, he'd be like, he'd look at me and go, do you ever stop? Do you, <laughs> does it ever stop? Are you ever yeah. going to stop making noise? And like as a kid, I just, I don't know, man. Like, I, yeah, this is what I do. I don't know. And I imagine you guys with sons in that age, that's just, that's that age. I'm just picturing you trying to figure out on your leg or whatever you're tapping on the latest schoolie D or cool mode D beat or something like that. Where you're like, there it is. I got it. <laughs> it, was, it was either, it was either rap or maybe rush one or the yeah, other probably. Uh, yeah. Good luck keeping up with Neil Pert on your leg. That's a, that, that's a toughie. Uh, that said yesterday, Corey, I'll start with you because I and I, fully vetted the circumstance here at the draft is all at once a grand celebration, but always a reminder of how good or poorly your program is performing. And if we bring it back to Florida state, you got a sure thing at late in the first, maybe middle of the second at corner. And then it gets a little dicey pretty much from there. You may not have another person. Uh, Now that's a little bit of an overstatement, but even the guys you do have, like, let's say you want to go with, uh, Hamsa, Nazrul Dean, or you want to go with Marvin, or you want to talk about Tamori and Terry. These are all guys whose stock have dropped precipitously. And it's a reminder of just how ass sorry Florida State football has been over the last several years. Yeah, agreed. Well, well said. Well yeah. said. Feel, but, feel uh, yeah, stop. let's talk about something else. I, I will be interested on Saturday, right? That's the last four rounds is on Saturday. Like if three or four dudes come off the – again, I've talked about it before, but if three or four guys come off the board off that defense, if somebody takes a shot on J-Rob in the sixth round or Kando goes in the fifth round and you end up with five guys off that defense that were drafted, because I think Marvin's going to get drafted, and we know Asante's going to get drafted, and maybe those DNs get drafted. I think, I think somebody should take a shot on Hampson too. Like I, I, I would yeah, be surprised yeah. if he doesn't no, get he drafted. Definitely. So you're – you're looking at may, at least three and maybe five guys. I know Hampson didn't play much last year, but it's just going to be – you're going to look at what they did, and there might be two other schools in the country that have as many defensive players drafted as Florida State did. And then you're going to look and, and see that they were 109th in the country in total defense and just shake your head. And that's what's going to be upsetting. I think, I think – wouldn't that be more upsetting than if only one or two kids got drafted, if seven of them get drafted from no, that team? Not for me. I mean, I- yeah, I mean, I think if, if you only have one drafted like they only had last year, it's easy to say, well, this is why they haven't been any good. And, and you could just kind of absolve um, maybe the current coaching staff or whatever. On the surface, yeah, people are going to make that joke. And that's what's going to be the joke on Twitter all weekend is, you know, what the hell? We had four guys drafted or five guys drafted from that defense, and people are going to be killing Adam Fuller. But the reality is a couple of those guys didn't really play. I mean, you know, as you said, Hampson didn't play till the very end. Marvin played for about half the season, but then he was, and, and I think he might have been banged up when he was playing because he was limping a good bit the last couple of games he played. Um, and then, uh, you know, those defensive ends, if they get drafted, it's nothing to do with what they've ever produced. It's what, and it's it's probably not fair to compare to lump Gen- Generis in with Josh Kando because Gen- Generis Robinson did make some plays, 
Josh Kanda didn't really make any plays. Yeah, he um, made one play against North Carolina where he anticipated yes. throwing the flats, and that is the only play he's ever made in his career. So, so it's so if they get drafted, you know that's 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 a gamble by those pro teams. It's not you know necessarily an indictment, I don't think, because if you're a defensive end, you don't need good coaching to go make plays as a defensive end. Like, Not as pass rusher, but yeah. he's, he's just an edge setter. Somebody will draft him because he's got the body type and he can set the edge, and there's a need for that. Well, there according is. to Pro Football Focus, if you believe those numbers, he did it well last year. He was the second highest rated defender on the team, Kendo was, because of what he did in the run game. But yeah. he did literally, the three of us had as many sacks as he did. Correct. Right. And we don't have, well, Jeff, you had fast twitch. When you were younger, but not off we the don't, edge, baby, not off the edge. I wasn't a come off the edge. No. Let me ask you this: If yeah. I had taken twenty-year-old Jeff Cameron in the current before your injury mm-hmm. and put you at defensive end in two twenty, that kid played Florida defensive end at Florida State in twenty twenty, and all he did was rush the passer. Do you think you'd have gotten home once? No. Twice. I think you would have got thrown into the sideline. If they got look, their hands on me, there would be no yeah. chance. I was going to say, mean, look, Ira, that's going to happen most of the time. Well, yeah. But they're ha- just law of averages. If you're on a pass rush 300 times in a season and you're an athlete, you get by the guy yeah, listen, once. Listen, I, I mean, you set me up to look like a villain no matter what I say here. So I, I would just tell exactly you. Exactly right. Yeah, but and I knew where you, where you were going with that. So even if I think the answer is yes, which deep down, of course I do. Of course <laughs> you're going to home, Corey. It's been a lot but, more than one. Yeah, I mean, good Christ. What are we talking about here? It's me. But the, the truth is I can't say that on this podcast. It's a terrible right. thing for me to say. And also, by the way, Ira is right about one aspect of this is if they if a tackle got his hands on me when I was 218 pounds, yeah, no, that wouldn't have worked out for me. <laughs> they're, they're yeah. Just saying there might not have been 400 snaps that season. <laughs> sure. They, well, look, you know. they know that Cameron, two out of three plays, Cameron's going to get thrown to the sideline. They adjust to that. Yeah, <laughs> they run that way probably. They probably do a lot of running. To you can you can scheme me up though. You can scheme me up, man. I can I can get I can get to the yeah. quarterback. Um, or back then, but I, I just listen. Uh, it, I won't look at this as an indictment on Adam Fuller at all. Last year is it a bastardization of uh, football and defensive coaching in particular. Uh, it will be frustrating because you'll be just reminded that those guys had some physical tools, but boy, oh boy, did they not really get an opportunity, or for various reasons, be it injury or COVID or or you know the constant change in coaching staff, whatever the reason, they just never showcased for prolonged stretches of time, um, their their ability. Because you can say that about Tamori and Terry on the offensive side of the ball. He's a one-trick pony. You you saw flashes. But there's a guy that didn't have great hands, wasn't a good route runner. And obviously you could question his attitude while he was here. You could talk about every player that's on this list of folks that could get drafted and find all the reasons why it didn't work out. Bottom line is I'm ready to turn the page. I'm not going to look back at last year with Fuller. This will be an important year for him, though. Because while he gets the excuse from last year uh, of not really being able to coach guys hard and implement what they were trying to do, uh, this year he doesn't have that excuse. But, yeah, I I just – the draft is a a reminder of Florida State was – at one time we were sitting around thinking about 10, 12 guys getting drafted. Now we sit around and think about one sure thing and a whole bunch of what-ifs. So, Corey, if you were the uh, guest GM for the weekend for the the Mighty Falcons and they said, Corey – we're going to give you the sixth round pick. Would you draft Tamari and Terry? Oh, yeah, sure. 
Would you? Because what's yeah? Because uh, the the upside, the 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 reward versus the risk. I mean, you're a sixth round receiver, but he does one thing at an elite level. Now they can take that away in the NFL, but you know he can run and he's got the size. So I would you know I turn on the Notre Dame tape where he was running at eighty percent and still running by that dude who's going to be an NFL draft pick and say okay, I'll take a shot with him. And maybe he maybe Julio takes him under his wing, or Kyle Pitts. Whoever the Falcons are going to draft, they take Tamari and Terry under their wing, and uh, and he he becomes a player. Now I'm not I'm not convinced he's going to be an NFL player, like he's going to be in the league for a long time. But he's certainly worth the gamble. I'd take him before I took any of those other guys we were just talking about in the sixth round. I tend to agree with that. I'd take him. I understand your concerns, Ira. We talked about it yesterday. You're right to bring those things up. But if I'm if it's really late like that, it's hard to find guys that when healthy can run like he does and have that size. I, I'd take a chance on him. You never know. I mean, he could have been embittered while he was here for myriad reasons. You get a hold of him. I know maybe I'm being the coach with the savior complex now, like like they all have. But I think I would take a chance on the ability. How many guys? I mean, you know, again, I'm not trying to run the guy down, but how many guys really only one run one route and drop the ball? I mean, let's not go crazy now. Let's you not drop say the ball that. Some, man. Well, no, but it wasn't fifty percent of the time. Like it was no. probably six six drops or eight how drops many, in a hundred catches. How many NFL guys dropped the ball as much as you saw him drop the ball? Well, no, but I mean, I think they think we're going to develop them. Like right. there, there's tools there that we can develop. Uh, so I think you know how many people turn the ball over as much as name someone a college basketball player. They they think they're going to develop them. Um, but I I think and I think they think they'll develop him to be able to run more than just straight ahead. Um, so you know he's the one thing he's terrible at in my opinion, that he had, he has to get better at or he will not play a second in the league is winning 50-50 balls. Like, ball fade passes. He'll run by you, and he can, even, he can run by you and stop, and, you'll get, and he'll get open. But the balls that are just lofted up to him to go make a play, right. he's, he doesn't have that in him. So he's got to figure that out. But I think NFL coaching staffs think they can, they can work with somebody like that. I don't disagree with that. Seminole Headlines, 97.9 ESPN Radio continues in a moment. Seminal Headlines will take a breather. More next. Seminal Headlines returns now on 97.9 ESPN Radio. So basically what we learned last segment, folks, is GM Ira and assistant GM Corey Clark are in that war room pounding the desk when we get to the sixth round in a heated debate about a young man out of Florida State named Tamoria Terry. And Ira's throwing his hands in the air at Corey's lunacy. And Corey's like, Ira, this kind of talent does not come around every day. Get a good look at this cat. Who, yeah. if, if, if there's one guy after Asante, like who would you put your chips in that that guy's going to have a good NFL career? Nazrael Dean, because he'll work really hard. He's a tackling machine. If he's in the right defense where they only ask him to be kind of a big safety and he's not, you know, trying to cover too many people, I think he can have a career. He's a, you know, he's a physical presence, so he'll get a start on special teams right away. And then from there, you know, maybe he grows into something where he has a unique skill set that you can that you can harvest for a long time. So I would say Nazrul Dean. I, I would say I probably would tend to go that way too. I, I do think if it was eight years ago, I'd say Marvin. I think the NFL is maybe defensive tackles aren't nearly the priority they used to be. Um, but, I, you know, I think we look so much at Marvin right now through the prism of 2020 and forget – in 18 and 19, he was a darn good football player, like one of the best in the country. Like, again, not the pro football focus is the end-all, be-all, 
but he was like the number eight rated player in the entire country in 2019 playing on that slop defense. Like he's really good. And I just think he was either out of shape or health, unhealthy. I, I think we know he had a knee issue at some point. Um, so I just, if, if we, if, if that's the guy, if 2019 Marvin Wilson is the, is that, that's the rule and not in 2020 was the exception then I could see him have an eight or 10 year career. Cause he, I, you know, I just, I could, I think he's, he's really talented. He's if he can hold up. fast. He's, yeah, but he's, he had, he's had some injuries. He's had some injuries. Sure, absolutely. And, um, you know, you definitely don't want defensive linemen to have too many knee injuries. Um, but he did, uh, yeah, to your point, I mean, yeah, he was very good earlier in his career. And he's been a guy until this last season. He was a guy that, you know, was a good leader. Everybody, everything was positive. You were hearing about him. Uh, so you'd love to see him get back. But it's going to be fascinating to see how teams do handle that evaluation because you know what he could be. You also know what he was last season and he didn't, he didn't get to play in the senior bowl. Uh, yeah. I'm, I didn't pay too close attention to what he did at the pro day here. Um, but I'm not sure he's shown much explosiveness yet since then. So if, if he turns out to be what you, what you're thinking he could be, he's going to be one of the steals of the draft because, uh, you know, his stock is really taking a big hit. One of the coolest things about this draft that is going to be different from drafts we've seen preceding it is you had so many factors that are going to make this very volatile. You know, we, we didn't have the combine. We didn't have in-person interviews. Uh, so, so all these question marks that teams have about players, they really can't erase some of those because they didn't have the access to these guys that they ordinarily do. A lot of what they had to do was go off of video footage from pro days where you had wildly different times and various physical attributes attributed to the people that were there on the ground, but you didn't have NFL teams there. And so I think the variance of opinion about what a player is or is not when we get into these middle rounds is going to differ greatly. The chances that groupthink takes hold is not going to be there this year the way it normally is because... All of these groups of scouts and analysts that take a look at these players and judge them for teams typically gather together at various points along the way and analyze players. They didn't get to do that this year. So I, I feel like we're going to see some really strange head-scratching moments in this draft. And it only takes one team to, let's say, agree with Corey and say, you know what, I'm going to chalk up everything that happened last year to COVID, and it was a nonsense year. It's, a, it, it, there's no, it's an outlier. Instead, what I'm going to look at is Marvin, the guy that produced his ass off in 18 and 19, and I say we take him here in the fourth round or the third round, and people will go, whoa, William, what happened here? I mean, it just takes one team and one guy to think that way, and again, they've been isolated. They have not nearly had the opportunity to poke and prod and get to know these guys the way they normally do. Chef, what do you think right now you could run the 40 in? Oh, I don't know, Corey. I've had a foot surgery, a knee surgery, and a badly pulled hammy all in the last 10 years. I, I don't know, probably a five-something. I wouldn't be fast. So uh, I had somebody tweet at me. I don't remember if I told the story, if we were go recounting my – oh, no, it was on the other show I do. Uh, wake up, Warchan, everyone. Listen, yep. love it. Um, yep. But I was telling my story. Quick quick rundown of when Ira and Rick Jones challenged me to a 40-yard dash in the – Leon High parking lot. First of all, first of all, we didn't challenge you to a 40-yard dash. We were well, not you doing anything. You questioned my manhood, and that can't stand. Well, apparently can't stand. apparently not, dude, because you took it as this huge affront that you're still pissed off about 
no, no, no. Fifteen that's years not, later, I'm not, I'm not pissed off about. You brought it up on two different shows in the last. No, three. no, but I'm bringing it up on this one because somebody tweeted at me. This this tweet pissed me off because the guy's like, he's like, "There's no way you're running in the four sevens." He's like, "You're." He goes, "You at forty years old?" He goes, "More like five nine, maybe five nine. And I said, "Dude, I could walk the forty and five nine. And there's nothing again. There's this gives you a good insight into Corey Clark. Somebody questioning what Corey Clark could do physically just sets him into this crazy manic Look, rage. I, you know what it you is, could, Ira? It's been, again, it's because of the way I look. People, when you get judged by your cover of your book so many cares? times and people don't read the pages, it gets. It, it who gets, cares what so, some guy on Twitter thinks about what you run in your forties? Apparently, 40s. this guy. But no, but I was you were going to be proud. You ruined the story. I went, oh. This wasn't a story about that. But I told the guy. I was like, no, right now I could probably run it in like 5-2 or 5-3. So correct. Corey Clark now does not think that he's yeah. what he was. I was I like, was, I was 33 when I did that. Back I was in 08, just about Buster's to say, year. Corey, before you went any further, I didn't want you to talk yourself into a hole here. I was just going to say there ain't no chance you break five anything right now. No, and all I would do is pull a hammy or uh, rupture an Achilles tendon. There's no way I would – literally, I think I'm – Ira, this was the point, is I'm at the point now where somebody could tell me you can't break 40 in six seconds. And I would be like, I disagree, and that would be the end of it. I wouldn't have to prove anything because I know my knees would pop out of joint. <laughs> I know something crazy would happen, and I would be down for the count for 11 months. Like, thinking about Leonard being on a – and I know he just he fell off a bus. He wasn't racing stand in the parking lot. But thinking about on one of those uh, – my buddy did it. My buddy playing basketball, ruptured his Achilles. And your life is ruined for six months. Yeah, so I just don't want to do that anymore. How, how many years ago was it that you and Natalie raced in the parking lot of the Civic Center in jeans? That was – I would say that was 12, so ten year, nine years ago, eight you or nine still, years ago. You were still frustrated. I was still in my 30s. Yeah. And again – she said in that newsroom, in that newsroom, Ira, that you're in, by the way, she said I was the worst athlete in the entire newsroom. <laughs> think about the people were, that were in that newsroom. And she meant it. And I just said, I happened to say, well, I'm a better athlete than you. you, you and she said, no, you're not. And that's where it started. You couldn't. Look, Ira, uh, nobody ever told you you're the worst athlete. What if somebody told you you're the worst racquetball player in Tallahassee? I would say, let's go play. But Boom. That's all I was doing. I didn't not at three in the morning in a parking lot. Well, what if the racquetball track. court was available? But it wouldn't, it wouldn't. And if they beat me, they beat me. But like you, literally, you're you're yeah. still pissed he's off. Not, he's yeah. telling you he's grown since then. Yeah, he's I'm not pissed off. Know. I'm, yeah, I'm putting I'm putting myself back into the place where I was pissed off. It still pisses me off that conversation. I'll be honest. <laughs> like looking around that newsroom. And seeing me and be like, well, you, hey, you got to so, be the worst so, athlete here. Given that we've all been dear friends for a long time and that I've also known the folks who work at the Tallahassee Democrat for over 20 years, that is an insult, Ira. That, I mean, honestly, why would somebody say that it, to you? It that was, is, but like, who are you? I mean, oh, don't make names of the people in that newsroom. I could name lots yeah, of them. Yeah, I could do it. I'm not is, doing it. But that's yeah. my point is like, why? I, I would, that's why you could laugh at it. Right. Like, Right, right. I mean, like, it's, it was so farcical. It's that asinine. But who was laughing when I dusted her in the parking lot and then pulled my hammy and fell on my face? Yeah, right. Who was laughing then? You're right. <laughs> who was laughing? Who who I had the last laugh, Ira? The, the vision I get in my head of you running as hard as you possibly can for fear that you're going to get outrun by a girl who challenged your manhood and your athleticism, winning that race, 
buoyed with pride, mm. the likes of which none of us can remember feeling, only to pull your hammy and bust ass seconds yeah. later. That is a beautiful yeah. thing. That was the last time I ran hard. So there, that should make you feel good, too. I ran, literally, that was nine years ago. That was the last time I ran fast or even tried to. <laughs> we all have the comeuppance uh, with Father Time. I broke my arm playing City League softball, like yeah. an hole on a diving catch out in left field. And it was a hell of a play, and I held the runner at second base, got up with a broken left arm, and fired the ball to third so he couldn't tag and go. And while I was proud of that moment, I got taken to the hospital seconds later, and the doctor said, how old are you? Why well, are you look, diving? And then that was it. He was like, why are you? are lucky you haven't had anything with your racquetball or your tennis, have you? You're trying to jinx me? Well, you just haven't. That's good. It's good, man. I don't move. I don't move quick enough, dude. <laughs> well, you wouldn't. You you that's, wouldn't know what it's like to be me and Jeff. Hey, that's hey, right. Corey, Ira survives on guts, guiles, eye hand coordination, yeah. and yeah. and, uh, and slow twitching. You don't pull stuff <laughs> when you're slow twitching. That's why if I was a GM, I'd be looking for the slow twitch guys that don't have the injuries. You know they're going to be healthy. Yeah, yeah absolutely. No <laughs> torque. I like this guy. Hey, Jerry. Come here, listen. I love this guy. Look how slow he is. This is amazing. This guy's never going to get hurt ever. Ne He's going to live to hundred. <laughs> never going to have a pulled hammy. Never going to never going to have an Achilles problem. Probably yes. never. Probably never going to twist a knee. Never going to make a play. <laughs> well, that's all right. No, He'll look, be on the look, team. <laughs> Seminole headlines. <laughs> we'll come back and conclude the hour in a moment. <laughs> Seminal Headlines will take a breather. More next. Seminal Headlines returns now on 97.9 ESPN Radio. Wrap it up there. I love that subject. That's fun. This It's become popular now for every host of every podcast around NFL time to have their own little, you know, various combines with their co-hosts and the like. I'm old enough at 49 to know I ain't doing that. It's never going to happen. I'm done. I For our last segment, when I run hard with the – now, I play one-on-one -on -one basketball with Bryce still out in the driveway, and he's 13, he can jump, and he's really fast. And all of a sudden, it's getting harder for me to win. And I'm winning, but I know my days are numbered. I don't ever admit that to him. But deep down in places I don't like to go in my mind and think about, I know the time's going to come where he's going to beat me. It hasn't happened yet, and when it gets close, I rough him up a little bit just to let him know what time it is and kind of intimidate him a little bit. you got to use everything sure. in your arsenal, everything in your tool bag. But I'm having to already do that at 13. So I know when he's 15, 16, I'm pretty well done. But that's as hard as I work in terms of in a sport. He'll, he'll come in here all the time. Dad, let's race down the road. Let's race to that tree. Like, son, in order for me to beat you, which, by the way, I could. But in order for me <laughs> to beat you, I'm going to have to really lay my life on the line. I'm going to have to stretch. You're going to have to I'm stretch have for to 25 minutes. <laughs> going to have to reach back and I'm going to get hurt. I may win, but I'm going to get hurt. It's going to happen. You, you walk back laughing in the house, telling mom, dad's laying out in the middle of the street. You think like the guys at TOC, the doctors, when they have these people come in at our age or even older, who sure. come in with these ridiculous injuries and then, well, Hey, how'd you tear your Achilles? Oh, well, I was playing the, uh, you know, afternoon yeah. basketball with, you know, these 25 year olds or do you, do they, you think they tell them, hey, dude, you need to yes. stop? Yes. Well, my, but it's, my, good, it's, it's good business for them. My TOC it doctor, is. The, my the TOC of dads. That very thing. I had an orthopedic surgeon say, what the hell's wrong with you? Why are you diving for balls in a City League softball game? And I said, well, because I, plays are there to be made, sir. I mean, yeah. we can't, I mean, <laughs> somebody's got to make a play. 
Are you going to fix my arm or not? Yeah, so... But you talk like this when the people come into the ER with stuff crammed up their butt, which is apparently the number one thing in ERs. I wonder what's more, dads hurting themselves or people coming to the ER with, with that kind of stuff. Those are the two, those are the two uh, leading, uh, leading causes of ER visits, apparently. So there's a place in town, by the way, where I once saw Derwin James do the most spectacular athletic thing I've ever seen. I don't want to name the business because I don't want to A, give them a bad name, and B, give them publicity because they don't advertise. But you jump on trampolines, so everybody mm. will know what I'm talking about. You jump on trampolines, and they have, a, they have a basketball goal in there that's 12 feet high. And you can jump on the trampoline and dunk it. Now, I could do that when they first open up. I did it, but it scared me a little bit because I haven't been high in the air like that in a long time. And I was like, ooh, I don't know about this, even on a trampoline. Derwin James did it, went through his legs, did a flippity-doo and everything else and hammered it when, his, when it was his first year here. And I was like, that's Derwin James. Holy hell. And I was pointing it out to my kids. But the point is, I had a doctor tell me that that place, when they opened within the first year, was a major source of revenue. That they, they oh, I bet, man. Yeah, people flying into walls. It's all 40-something-year-old dads jumping around like they're 16 and then, you yeah. know, shattering their knees, ripping their Achilles, tearing their Ankles buckling the because they're 280 pounds and the trampoline can't hold them. Yeah, all that stuff. If you're, yeah, if you're an orthopedic surgeon, you should invest in those types of places. Oh, yeah, open more of them. Around every corner. Open more of them. Yeah, no, absolutely. I've always, uh, yeah, it, so I, they do tell their patients, like, the time has come for you to pick a different sport. My doctor straight up told me, hey, look, man, I know at one time you were an athlete, and I'm sure deep down that pride messes with you. It's time to take up golf, man. It's time mm. for you to hit the, hit, the, hit the white ball and be done with it. Don't, don't be trying to slide into second. Don't try to dunk. Don't try to dive into the outfield. None of that stuff. So I was going to. I was gonna. Kinda, I am kind of liking the pivot to tennis, Corey, because racquetball. I mean, one of my buddies towards Achilles. A couple of them has had several shoulder surgeries. Um, I mean, there. Are, you know, racquetball is a little bit more because it's confined. You're you know, you're running into people, and it's just a little bit more. Tennis seems like man. I think we can kind of coast in tennis for a while. I think tennis is going to be good for us. It's not as much starting and stopping. Right. Going fast and stopping real quick. You can you can take your time. You can make a shot. <clears throat> and then kind of roll off the court a little bit. You don't have to stop before you slam into a wall. Hey, before we round out this hour, Ira, I overheard you before we started the show today saying that you were going to get to talk to new ACC Commissioner Jim Phillips. You can read that on warchant.com. What are you going to ask him? Well, actually, they're going to uh, have like a meet and greet today around the time that this is on the air over at FSU for the media. He's basically coming in, meeting all the staff members, uh, a lot of players and coaches, just seeing FSU's campus, the facilities, I think he's going to maybe stop by the baseball game for a little bit as well. Um, but they're going to have a media meet and greet. And so we'll get a chance to chat with, chat with him a little bit, meet him. And, uh, and then probably uh, I'm going to have an interview with him at some point later. It's not going to be right at that event, but we're going to get to meet him. So I've heard great things, man. I've really, and we know he's got a big challenge ahead of him uh, trying to get the ACC financially in better position than they've been in. Um, but I think it's cool that he's coming around and meeting all these camp, visiting all these campuses, hearing from the different constituents and not just sitting in North Carolina and hearing what he's hearing from the people on tobacco road. Yeah. So the main thing he's going to get asked repeatedly, and he's probably already been asked by everywhere he's been, right. everybody that he's encountered is are the annual payouts uh, to ACC teams. And so, I mean, you need to instantly jump on that and be ready to go with a tweet or something because we want to hear answers. We want to know yeah. how well you're going to save the ACC, which is falling miles and miles behind the SEC and the Big Ten. 
Also, ask him if he got the ACC network in his hotel room. <laughs> that is going to be a resounding <laughs> I sat there again this past weekend. For some reason, I got it in my head that there's a way I could get – because we have ESPN – Kim, we pay for the ESPN Plus or whatever. We have yep, that. Yep, absolutely. Uh, so I'm like, there's got to be a way. There's got to be a way for me to watch these FSU Georgia Tech baseball games. And I, dude, I tried the laptop. I tried the, and I'm Kim, the smart TV. Kim's typing in passwords. We're trying everything. Nothing. Yep. So remember my diatribe on this very subject. It's yep. only getting worse, man. I'm telling you, access to Florida State baseball, college baseball in general, has never been worse than it is at this present time. You can't, you can't find games. It's out of control. It, they make it almost impossible, especially if you're in Tallahassee. Now, Corey can sit up there in Atlanta and probably watch every single ACC game he wants. Oh, yeah. I got no problem with it, guys. I don't even know what y'all are talking about. Rest of it's us, great. rest of us are absolutely. It's almost too much baseball up here. <laughs> oh, man. Well, it was nice of them to win the series, but as is typically the case right now for Florida State, uh, any any big step forward, they cannot conclude with a resounding sweep. They have just the one, and if you're going to get one over Miami, that was a good one. But, man, when they were in prime position to get it here against Georgia Tech, gave up nine runs, got a bad performance. But the bats came alive. So we were complaining about the bats the last time we met. And uh, you know what? All three games, they pounded the baseball. I still like the team. Well, they scored 30 runs. Um, you know, they – they're still going to do what they do. Like Ira tweeted out, I get, so you were watching the games on stat broadcast, Ira. Is that how you're keeping up with the games? Yeah, it was. Um, He, he, he tweeted out a picture of, it was like the seventh inning of that Sunday game where it was like strikeout. No, I texted, I texted it to you. I didn't, sorry, I didn't tweet it. Yes. Texted it. It was, oh yeah, you, yeah, you wouldn't want to tweet something like that, but it was like strikeout, Cabell home run, strikeout, walk, 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 strikeout with the bases loaded like that. And he's like Florida state baseball. (laughs) Because that's, that's what it. you're going to walk, you're going to strike out. Occasionally, somebody will hit one. Well, they hit three bombs uh, in that game and lost. They also had a crucial error in that game, which uh, didn't get them out of an inning and allowed for a bunch of unearned yeah. runs to score. So that, too, is Florida State baseball. You know what else is Florida State baseball? Matthew Nelson being the best catcher in the country and a legitimate candidate to win every award in the you know that college baseball has to offer. That's how good that kid is. It's nuts, man. This is crazy. Like, I... It, they they keep pitching to them as if they don't believe the numbers or they're, they're certainly right. this can't last. Um, and I get it because he actually has the only other really legitimate power hitter on the team. I mean, Cabell can – I don't count Cabell because he rarely makes contact. But the other the, the is Robbie Martin, who hits right behind him. So he does give him some protection in that sense. But it's still crazy. Like, I'm, I'm sorry, man. I'm pitching to Robbie Martin – with, with the bases loaded instead of Nelson with two runners on. I'm just am. I mean, Nelson, this is crazy. Nelson's not going to beat me. You're right. If I'm an opposing team, and that's the worry when you get down into it in the postseason, what's going to happen? We'll get to headliner questions in a moment. Stay with us. Seminal headlines will take a breather. More next. 